0: Right. Well, Father God, we stand before you, Lord. In a sense, this is your altar as we um, can offer ourselves to you this morning, God. Whoever we are, wherever we come from today, Lord God, we're grateful that you love us, that you forgive us when we turn to you in Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Well, it looks like some of you survived the heat, made it, made it through the week. Well, in the years that followed the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the gospel, which is really the good news of Jesus, uh, went out into a Roman world, certainly from Jerusalem in the Israel area, but went out into a Roman world that, that didn't even know if truth really existed. Um, it is truth out there? Can we know it? um and and if we were to hear, if we were to truly hear it how would we know that it's true uh and so most people seem to at that time just kind of grasp at things and kind of come up with a belief system that would work for them that could kind of get them through day-to-day life that would explain things something to hold on to but each person kind of kind of did it on their own sounds a little bit like today doesn't it right kind of relativistic what really is truth and all that sort of thing And so the Apostles' Creed was very important to the early church at that point. You see, there was no complete Bible at that time. There was what we would call the Old Testament that had been around for quite some time, but the New Testament was was a series of letters, a series of books that were copies were made and were circulated through the cities and the churches. They became more and more popular and more and more copies over time, but there was not what we have today, a statement of truth is contained in the completed Bible. And so really what the early church was was fighting and was looking for was an opportunity to grab a hold of truth, to understand truth, and to proclaim truth. And they didn't yet have, in fact, for several centuries, a systematized, formalized Bible. And so this was very, very helpful for them, having a creed, a formalized, accepted statement of agreed-upon truth that gave that church unity and strength that they could say, yes, we believe this together, and we can present this as truth. Well, today we are starting this new summer series And we'll be looking, uh, looking really intently at the Apostles' Creed. Now, Pastor Mark had a chance to read it with you earlier. Uh, Some of the the, one of the songs we sang today, and several that we sing regularly here at Twin Cities, contain pieces, if not quite a bit of the Apostles' Creed. But some questions may come to your mind today as we look at the Apostles' Creed. Um, Really, what is it? (laughs) What is the Apostles' Creed? Maybe some background behind it, and then maybe the question comes up: Well, why study it? Is this something worth doing? And Maybe also you may say, is this going to be worthwhile for me to be a part of this summer specifically? You see, it sounds old, maybe even ancient. It sounds kind of intellectual, which maybe means it's hard to understand and, and, uh, and maybe a little too heavy for the summer, you know? Uh, sometimes the, the, the head kind of slows down, uh, the heat kind of slows down the activity of the brain <laughs> during the summertime. And like, is this a little bit heavy for summer, you know? Well, if any of those questions are there and kind of giving you reservations, I want to encourage you to not judge too soon on this. Uh, I, I want to read you a verse that will pave the way for us to really dive into this study in this series with conviction and even with enthusiasm. So I want to read to you Romans 15, 13, again, a verse that, that was read earlier. It says this, May the God of hope, and I want to pause and remind you that this year has been all about hope, hasn't it? The kind of the year of hope, be the hope, know God is the hope. So here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The God of hope, transfer hope and peace and joy in you. At Twin Cities, again, this has been the year of hope, but we see that this hope and this joy and this peace that can come, it says specifically, in believing, that word belief is used there very intentionally, head and heart belief together, which the Apostles' Creed can help us do and understand, can launch us into things like hope and joy and peace. Those aren't emotions. We have our head over here, understanding and knowledge and belief, and then emotions over here. It's very holistic. It's all together, and we can get there even today as we get started. So it does sound to me like this summer is going to be worth it. Now, one more thing that, uh, about diving um, into, a sp- into a series exploring our beliefs in great depth it says in First Peter 3.15, and this is a verse that I've held on to for a lot of years. Uh, I think it's a, important for us understanding our outreach to the world, says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. It starts there in your heart. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. There's that hope again, huh? Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You see, this series will has the opportunity, anyway, to help you always be prepared to give the answer, to give the reason, to give the truth behind the hope that you have, that you have within you in Christ Jesus. So let's get started today. We're going to answer some of those questions again, and we'll kind of take you along. Today is really mostly an introductory. Let's get started as we take a look at where we're going to go in the next uh, series of weeks here. What is the Apostles' Creed? And if you want to follow along in your outline, you can do that as well. Some fill in the blanks to keep you engaged in that level. But what is it simply? Some of you may know this very well. Some of you may say, never heard of it. Well, let's go ahead and start there. We'll give some background on this. First of all, the word creed, simply creed, comes from the Latin word credo. Okay? Some of you don't care, but that simply means I believe so the Apostles' Creed, the creed comes from credo, which means I believe. A creed is basically a statement which contains a summary of not peripheral, kind of just unimportant beliefs, but core essential beliefs. It's a strong, embraced statement of commonly held essential beliefs. So let me ask you as we get started here, what, what is your impression of the concept of creeds? And there are a number of options here, and I just started thinking about this this week. I grew up in a Presbyterian church, and so you know there's a certain approach. And you may grew up in no church, or in an ecumenical church, or in you know any any sort of a places. But what when you what is your impression with creeds? First of all, you may be in a place where you say. I don't know anything about them. In fact, when I hear the word creeds, I think about like Apollo Creed and Rocky, you know, you know, red, white, and blue shorts and, you know, that kind of stuff going on or the recent Creed movie or maybe you're uh, of of the generation here more recently where you're like, okay, Creed the band, you know, I'm on board with that. When you say Creed, that's where I go to, you know, with arms wide open, you know, doing that sort of thing. So Creed the band, if that's you, you may be curious about, well, what's this Apostles Creed thing? I got nothing to lose to dive into it. Well, you may be in a spot where you are aware of creeds. Maybe you've had a little bit of exposure, and you're probably open then. Uh, or maybe you don't see the value at this point, and I'm going to have to prove it to you this morning. And, of course, I enjoy a challenge. Uh, maybe you grew up with them in church. You were in a place where, you know, every week we said this. You know, we, we repeated this, and, and you have fond memories of that. You're kind of like, cool, we can do this at Twin Cities Church. You know, this kind of reminds me of, and so there's some fond memories. Another possibility is that you grew up with them and, and they became um, old for you. It became ritualistic. It became repetitive and even dead. You know what I mean? It just happened over and over and meant nothing. And you, so you may be right now kind of uh, cautious, maybe even negative about this whole creed idea. You know? Is this something that, that, that I want to do? Now, finally, I'll go ahead and say it because if there's a few of you out here, I want to just, you know, elephant in the room. There may be some of you out there that are flat out against our studying and teaching the Apostles' Creed. It goes this way. I found a lot of this, not a lot, some of this online. It goes like this. It's not the Bible, so we shouldn't study anything but the Bible. It's the Apostles' Creed, and that's not the Bible. Well, if this is you, I don't want to put you down, because, again, I enjoy the challenge of maybe, um, maybe kind of persuading you differently. But if that's where you're coming from, we'll address all of those things, by the way. But I want to encourage you to, even if that's your heart, keep it open. I'd ask you to say, hey, God, this morning, is there something you want me to see that I haven't seen? Is there some 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 place, some area, something there that, that you might want to expose me to? And maybe you'll alter uh, my view a little bit. So I would encourage you there. So I just want to take a look at some of the different ways you may be approaching uh, the concept of a creed. Well, I want to look into what the Apostle's Creed is a bit more. Um, next, the Apostle's Creed uh, dates back to about 140 A.D., so this is really first century church, first going to the second century church when the first version was written. Now there have been several expanded versions written in the centuries to come, expanded language, expanded length, and, and, uh, and certainly translations and such. But the original version still contains the very heart of this creed, and it goes back that far. Um, next, interestingly enough... The apostles didn't actually write the Apostles' Creed, okay? We talked about what the Creed means, credo, I believe, but the Apostles' Creed is a summary of their primary teachings. So the apostles didn't actually write it. It is a summary of their primary teachings that's there. And that's why it's called the Apostles' Creed. And so something that we could say, hey, this really gathers together what they taught and what they were about. Next, it was used extensively in the early church as a confession at baptism. I thought this was fascinating. I have the real joy and pleasure of overseeing our baptisms here at Twin Cities Church. And I get a chance to run a baptism class and talk through what is baptism and all that. In the early church days, back literally into this middle second century, if you were going to be baptized and to be a follower of Jesus, to say, yes, I'm embracing this and I want to be known as a follower of Jesus, you would actually state, I believe these things. This was a confession. This Apostles' Creed that we went over, I believe in God the Father the creator, the maker of heaven and earth, and I believe in his only, et cetera, through that. This was saying, my baptism is into these beliefs. I embrace this. I believe this with my head and with my heart. So uh, we don't have you do that anymore. We have to certainly memorize it or something, but there is a a belief, a strength of belief here. Again, understanding the culture of the day was, is there any truth? And God, and of course, this creed, and certainly scripture, as it got formalized, was absolutely there is truth, and God is that truth. Next, it is agreed upon by, and I have to put in virtually, all Christian churches and denominations around the world, even today. So we look at different languages, we look at different cultures, we look over the centuries, we look over all the denominations, and I will say mainline Christian denominations, that this is agreed upon. It's a statement of belief that's been embraced by many churches in many continents over many centuries. Now, all that may be helpful, Okay, so there's some okay, so that's kind of what it is written and the purpose why it was written, who kind of put it together in that sentence, but in that sense, but why study it? Now, I want you to understand something here, so listen carefully. We aren't going to be teaching the creed, okay? Although there is value in memorizing it, I'd encourage you to go there if that's something that appeals to you, because really is a, I, I believe there's some, some real value and some important things there. But we're gonna be using the creed as a springboard to study the Bible intently, okay? We're going to be using the creed to study and preach the Bible. It's important to say that the creed does not have, no creed has the authority of the Bible. They're not God's directly inspired words, okay? But the Apostles' Creed points to the ultimate authority that's found in the Bible. That's God's actual word, which God's word is really a reflection of God himself. So the Apostles' Creed in the study, but it's really a way to identify the major essential truths of Christianity that are taught in the Bible. So we can state them as core beliefs and then go to the Bible to flesh out those beliefs. So we aren't putting the Bible aside to study the creed. We're using the creed as almost a systematic theology, to use a seminary term, a systematized way to say, well, what really is in the Bible? What are the important big things to say? Yes, that's important. That's what we all need to believe in because this is important to the Lord. Well, one more thing about the Apostles' Creed. Again, this is all background stuff. We're going to get more practical in a minute. It's not a magic set of words that will save you through stating it. Okay? It's not that magical set of words. It, saying it repetitively won't get you a job, promotion, or a raise. Not gonna happen. It won't help you lose weight. Won't help you get the pretty girl you've been staring at across the church way. Doesn't work that way. Okay? Words have to be attached to the heart and soul and spirit to mean anything, right? Because by themselves, they're just words. And, of course, that's true of the Lord's Prayer. That's true of even a a salvation prayer. Words by themselves are just words. So they can be important if dealt with correctly and and intrinsically if they become a part of you and head and heart happens and connects. But um, by themselves, they're words. Okay, so the Apostles' Creed is not the Bible, but it is valuable, and I want to talk about some of the values today, again, to kind of bring you along both if you need convincing, but also if you don't need convincing, really to get you excited about this. First of all, it helps us know what do we really believe. And so that's what this next section is. What do we really believe as followers of the biblical Jesus? Now, I want to simply with that simple sent, that statement of what do we believe, um, we're going to... T- take and break, break it out, each little section. So we're going to start with what do we believe, okay? So that's where we're going to go. What do we believe? So that first fill in the blank, what do we believe? This is a value of clarity. This is the what. What exactly do we believe? And this is dealing with truth. This is correction of error. Um, this is theology, which is a broad study of God. This is, this is right belief, okay? We live in a world that is increasingly uncomfortable with the idea of these absolute truths but but if we're going to draw a line in the sand specifically, uh, draw a line in the sand here uh, specifically stating what are our beliefs, and we want to be clear on that. You know, we don't want to kind of have a wavy line that kind of shifts and moves and is unclear through that. We want to be just be right here and say, here's where it is. This is definite shape, definite direction. Now you may say, well, why don't we just say I believe the Bible, and and isn't that good enough? I believe in the Bible. And uh, and that's a very true statement to make, and that's awesome to say, but the reality is, if you think about it, there are many other groups of people and other religions, and even if you could use the word like cults, that would say they believe the Bible too. And there are a number of, of churches, and and non I'll go ahead and say uh, non-judgmentally, I love them, but there are some non-Christian churches that say I believe in the Bible, and even, even some like Jehovah's Witnesses say they believe the Bible, and Mormons say they believe in the Bible, and, and so you just... You know, okay. So, what exactly are we talking about here when we say the Bible? Their take on the Bible is very different; it just is. And and so, what do you believe found in the Bible, interpreted correctly and clearly stated, systematically, and what specifically do you believe, and more importantly, put into practice? And and that's what's, that's where the rubber meets the road. So so for clarity during this series, each week we'll be looking at one concept presented in the Apostles' Creed. So, for example, the first week, I believe in God the Father, the Creator maker of heaven and earth and we'll stop right there and now we hit the bible and say and i i think pastor mark's up next week where he really gets to dive in and dig deep and go and say okay what does scripture say about that not not just in genesis but but in the old testament throughout and in the new testament throughout and let's grab all of that stuff and really say what do i believe what does scripture say to us about that what can i stand on as as the father god So we're doing that for clarity. We hope to gain a clear understanding of the essential truths of biblical Christianity through the summer, one at a time, so we can know this is really the foundation that we stand on. You know, it's the firm rock that we can stand upon. Well, next, so that's what do we believe, and and we'll be looking at specifically what, but that's the the importance of that. Second, what do we believe? What do we believe? And this is the value of community, because right after clarity of what do we believe, then we want to take a look at the we part, and there is huge value in this in community. You see, the creed is almost 2,000 years old, which means the original authors, (laughs) they're long dead. Right? I mean, we're talking ancient times here, if it goes back to 140 A.D. But the fact that this creed is old is okay. Listen, especially young people, old is not always inferior. Just ask your dad, right? <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> old isn't always inferior, much much to, in contradiction to today's culture, right? It's the newest, latest, greatest thing, right? I got my, the, you know, what's the new thing? Let's put the old bus behind you. But old isn't always going an fear. And there is huge value in community with each other. First of all, community here at Twin Cities Church. Now, I'm not going to, I and we are not going to force you into believing what we believe. We want you to enter into that journey. But we want to be clear for each one of you, here's what our church believes and is set out in Scripture very, very, very clearly. And it allows us to come into community together to say, we as a church stand for this. Now, you're welcome to attend and be a part of things as you're in process. But we as a pillar, we want to put that pillar strong in that foundation and say, this is our beliefs, our understanding of truths here. And so that's important, foundational truths that we can stand on together in solidarity. Now, there's also big value in having and being a community with other Christian churches in our community that would say, yes, the Apostles' Creed, the beliefs found there, we're right on board with you there. Now, some of these churches may use pipe organs. We don't. They may have choir robes. Some may use no instruments at all. It's okay. Some have old music, some new music, some no music. There's stained glass windows or no windows at all. There's pews, there's chairs, there's beanbag chairs or sitting on the floor or standing the whole time. Different ways to do it, huh? But we can together embrace this creed, the essential truths of the Bible, and it brings unity to us all. And so we don't need to look cross-eyed at each other because of the way we do things differently. Oh, you do it like that? Oh, oh I don't care how you do it. We do the same thing. We, we worship the same God. We have the same beliefs, and we can stand in unity together against a world that says, is there any truth? We can say, yes, indeed. And we, we believe that together. We're going to have our faith and common beliefs. Now, there's also value in being in community with churches around the world. Okay, It's not just a Northern California or a Cali thing, not even a U.S. thing, even a Western world thing. I know people all over the world, I specifically know, they're eating different foods, speaking different languages, dealing with crazy different cultural issues, but we have community in our beliefs. And we can together say, these are the truths as found in Scripture that we can buy into and, and stand together. And fourth and finally, there's value in being community with churches of the ages past. Now, this is the old thing again. Like, uh, who cares about, you know, the ages past? Some of us dare have on our bookshelves of all the newest, greatest books being written, some really old stuff. Some of it even had to be translated into English so we could read it well. I have some of those. Man, that stuff is heady and hard to understand. I know that we like new, but we also like kind of light and fluffy because it's easy to move through. But there is some great, great, great stuff of old. And the Apostles' Creed certainly comes from old. And so when we look at the community of the church of the ages past, let's not just brush past that. We join what Hebrews 12 calls a cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There, There are generations and generations and generations of hundreds and and even thousands of years of followers of Jesus who have held to the same beliefs that have paved the way for us to have the understanding we have and certainly have the freedom that we have even in this country to have these beliefs And let's not just go "Eh," and move on and say there is community that happens. Even those people have have passed away, and we don't understand how that works when someone has passed away. But there is this, the scripture talks about in a sense, a cloud of witnesses that is alongside, is saying we are your community. Now, people from the early church, a thousand or or nearly two thousand years ago, they would be blown away by by what we call church today, right? If they were here today, you know zap them forward here, um, what we call church, our technology, our methods. And, and But that shocked look on their face of what's going on would disappear when we delved into the biblical truths that we all believe in. It'd be like, ah, this is church. This stuff I don't get. These chairs are way comfortable, and the lights, and the, you know, whatever, a sound system, I can hear this guy, you know. But uh, we all believe those things as proclaimed and systematized in the Apostles' Creed We follow these ancient set of brothers and sisters, and we walk in their footsteps. We walk in their footsteps as followers of Jesus. Well, third, the Apostles' Creed can help us. What do we believe? What do we believe? What do we believe? And third, what do we believe? Okay? And this is a value of true belief over mere knowledge. Okay. Now, I want to just focus on that word belief here because I think it's important, uh, the power of belief, and that is not just the I know part of, of head knowledge. You see, the creed begins with I believe, right? And it happens, comes up several times in every version of the creed. I believe, not I know or I think, and this is important. You see, we can know a lot of bits of knowledge and understand them to be true, but there's a huge difference between knowing, understanding things to be true in our head And actually believing with our heads and our hearts. Because true, deep belief affects and determines your behavior. It absolutely does. Something you hold on to as a belief determines your behavior. Now, I get a chance to do this in in most of my baptism classes. If you've been through it, you get to go, oh, yeah, I've heard that one. But I'm actually going to do it. In each baptism class, we meet in the conference room over there. I say, it's about now in the sermon when we get to this. I say, if I were to go interrupt Pastor Ron or whoever's speaking right now, which, of course, I wouldn't do. And we're to say, and we're actually going to do this now. And say to them, we're talking about the difference between just head belief head belief and knowledge versus heart. And say to them, how many of you believe that it's important to eat well, get plenty of rest, get exercise, get plenty of rest, basically be in good shape? How many of you believe that to be true? Raise your hand. Go ahead and do it. Now, I tell them, but I, I tell them, don't raise your hand because it's a smaller group. And then I say, put your hands down. And then, I'm telling the story to them, then I would say... Put your hands down. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hand till it's time, do get plenty of rest, get lots of exercise, eat well, you know, all those sorts of things, take care of yourself, feel like you're in basically good shape. Put your hand up again. Look around, folks. Is that as many hands? Now, that's exactly the point I make there and I want to make here. In our culture, when we talk about belief, this creates a tension. We say, oh, I believe these things to be true, but they're not really happening in my life. But, you know, I've had to work a lot of overtime lately. or I've been a little bit sick. Or I've had to care for a sick you know, family member. Here's all these reasons why it's not true. I just, I've been so busy. And it creates this tension between understand what I know to be true and, and what I see I believe in a versus what's happening in my life. And the point I make there actually is when the Bible talks about belief, if a person who's speaking the Greek language, so so in the New Testament language, and in the Hebrew culture, if you said, I believe that it's important to be in good shape, but I don't feel like I am, they would call you a liar. Now, I'm not calling you a liar, because in our day, this works in our language. But in that day, belief was head tied to heart. Knowledge through direct personal experiences is a a translation from the Greek. If it's not happening in your life, you don't believe it. Okay? And so that's okay. My point isn't to give you a guilt trip about getting in shape. That's not the point. The point here is to help you understand when we make a statement of belief, it is very, very important to understand that belief is not just the Western enlightened. I think that's true. I understand that. Is it in your heart? Do you truly believe it? Because that's what's happening in the early church with the Apostles' Creed, not just like, yeah, I believe in God, whatever. No, I believe because belief determines behavior. If it's true, absolute belief, then it's going to change the way I live. And that's what's important right here. And and the Apostles' Creed is not just, I know these things. It's, I believe. So let's not just know this. Let's truly go on a journey to believe these things. Now, there was another verse I wrote in here. There was a man... It's a story in John chapter 9, a man who was born blind. And, you know, he lives his life and he has an encounter with Jesus where Jesus heals him. Well, Jesus happened to heal him on the Sabbath. How dare he! And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, call in the blind man, and they're grilling him. Tell us about this guy. What did he do? Why did he do it? Da, 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 da. And you just see this guy who can really see his eyes are getting big, you know, and he's kind of backing up against the wall. These are like the religious leaders. And, they, and he finally says, you keep asking me the same questions. Is it because you want to follow him yourself? He's starting to get a little sarcastic, you know. Okay, good story, John 9. You got to check it out. And then they get mad at him. But how come he's healing? This? He must be healing. And finally, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I once was blind, and now I see. You know, you figure it out. And they get mad, and they kick him out. You know, get out of here. It's their journey, right? Well, he basically has another encounter with Jesus in, and Jesus talks to him about, you know, um, about who he is, because he had just healed him before. And, and he has this statement, and, and Jesus says to him, do you believe in, in the Messiah and the Son of, you know, do you believe? in?" And, and he says, who is that person? And Jesus says, well, that's me, John 9, 38. I just needed to give you a background rather than print the whole thing. And so this man who was born blind, who's seeing for the first time, who the first thing that happens gets roasted by the religious leaders that he's followed his whole life, then says, Lord, I believe. And he what? He worshipped him. Lord, I believe, and now I'm going to go get some lunch and see some things for the first time. No, no, no. I believe, and I believe with my head and my heart, and it's going to change the way I live life. And he worshipped him. And I believe, not that that man was perfect from that point on, but I believe that that man's sense of worship lasted the rest of his life because his belief determined his behavior. It wasn't his head. It was his head and his heart. And his behavior changed. So to me, that's really where I, I started to get some traction with the Apostles' Creed because I did learn it in the Presbyterian Church. I, I kind of It's an older version that I memorized in what Mark read, so I'd mess it up trying to follow this one. But it was there, and I thought this is a, a great thing to get a hold of, and I'm excited about that. But really when it's understanding beliefs, not just, again, folks, if you're here and you're, you're on your journey and, and When Mark read it, and each week during this series we're going to be reading this out loud, you may say, I'm not sure I believe these things. Great, come on the journey with us. And even maybe even say it, you know, out loud, practice, and in your heart you can say, I'm not sure, but maybe this is true. And today we're going to get a chance next week and the next week and the next week to look at one of these things and say, wow, is this true? I can grab that. Something I can stand on in a world today that offers me very little to stand on. I want to hit you with a closing thought. I took a few minutes uh, this week to uh, write kind of a contemporary creed. I didn't give it a name, John's Creed, because it's not mine. It may be true for many of us or many people in the U.S. Beliefs that are very commonly embraced as truth. Not true for me and certainly not true for you, wink, wink, <laughs> right? That's kind of let's have some fun with it. But this is what we battle against as we consider allowing the Apostles' Creed to shape our lives, Okay. Not just, yeah, I believe that when I'm in church, and now I'm going to go live my life differently. But if if I'm going to believe it, head and heart, it's going to change the way I live my life. And it's going to come into conflict with the way that our world lives their lives. The comforts and conveniences of our culture battle a whole lot of what Jesus calls us to. Just need to be aware that there's a battle going on. So as I read this, I'm going to ask you, feel free to laugh or go, hmm, as you need to. But which creed best describes the way you live your life? The way you live your life not just what you believe with your head. The Apostles' Creed or this other one. The Apostles' Creed that would put your life on a God-focused track. So here we go, a comfort creed, whatever. I believe in being comfortable in making sure I have lots of great pizza and chocolate to eat and a humongous big-screen TV to enjoy around the clock. I believe that's my right. I believe in having the latest gadgets, iPhones, iPads, iMacs, iFriends, and iPets. iPads aren't as messy as the real thing. I believe in getting good things quickly, depending upon things like microwaves, ATMs, auto bill, pay, PayPal, pals pay, <laughs> Amazon, Netflix, and drive through Starbucks. Even though Starbucks isn't always all that fast, good things can sometimes be worth the wait. I believe in the power of social media and in spending an inordinate amount of time when necessary on Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, and the like. I believe in looking good to the people around me, even if I have to put on a mask to fool them. I believe in going to church. As long as there is air conditioning, the service doesn't go too long, the guy up front isn't too boring, and there isn't a great game on TV. Oh, come to think of it, if the rivers and lakes and mountains aren't calling me too strongly, or if there's some other sporting event, well, well I believe in going to church mostly. And I believe in doing good things for others. As long as it doesn't take too much time and cost too much money. I mean, there is a limit to all this after all. <laughs> This I believe. So which is it? The Apostles' Creed? Or the Comfort Creed? And I could have gone on and on with, I think, the things that, that pressure us to influence our lives. And I'm not saying it's wrong to, in, to use a microwave or any of those things. But is this what our life revolves around? Or does it revolve around an understanding of, of who God is in completeness, what he has for us, and how he wants us to live our lives differently and be a different person as a result. You see, that's the journey that you have the opportunity to take with us here in the next bunch of weeks during the summer here at Twin Cities Church, as we don't just look at some old ancient thing, but really have a chance to see the living God in newness and fullness in a way that says, this summer could change your life as you take a stand with firm, clear, and in community, I believes. Would you pray with me? Well, Father, I just thank you for this morning, uh, uh, the chance to get started on a journey today. Lord, I thank you even for first-timers that are here today that that, that get a chance to, to, to see where we're going. Uh, Father... Um, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to us, not just today, but in the weeks to come. Uh, Father, that that as we take a look at the creed, we realize it isn't the creed that we're glorifying, that we're looking at. It's you and it's the Bible. But what are the things that we can stand on and that we can hold on to? And Father, I pray that for anybody who's willing, the daring, the adventurous that sit here in the chairs that are willing to do this, God, that you would lead us on this journey that would... um, Take us perhaps away from some of the conveniences and comforts and easeability of a contemporary life and put us more on the front lines of a life that is God-honoring in all things as we let our beliefs sink into our hearts so our belief determines our behavior. And we pray in the name of Jesus, amen.